Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. My name is Marcus Collins. I am a marketing lecturer at the Ross School of Business, University of Michigan. I'm a little torn. You know, of course, uh, I really want to be in the classroom because I feel like that's sort of the, the environment where I can provide the best learning experience. Uh, but I know that even in the classroom, it's going to be a little different. And, you know, change is always uncomfortable, but a necessary thing. So I'm still working through my feelings. I think also because we're still firming things up, so it's not 100% crystallized what it's going to be and how it's going to look, there's just a little uncertainty. So I'm torn, but I'm really excited. So I think the biggest difference is that in the winter, I designed my course for a in-person experience. So the activities that I designed for are very physical. You do things, you talk to people, you put sticky notes on boards, you know, you do very interactive things that require you to be physically there. When we went online fully in March, those things got obliterated and I just didn't have a design prepared for it. So it was very reactive and that kind of took me off my square a bit. But for the spring term, which we call the May Master at Ross, which is just an intensive one month offering four weeks the classes the class met i think seven times a week so twice a day but every single day i designed that class specifically for an online environment and i thought it worked really well and according to the evaluations the students got out of it also so i think that having an understanding of what works in this configuration if i decide to do fully online for some courses and figuring out how do i keep the physical from what would be a normal offering with some of the online side connected to it, then perhaps I can carve out something unique for the space. But that's sort of the biggest difference is that we have to design for the environment. You can't just take a thing and then put it in another space and expect for it to work identically. We have to put in the work as far as designing for the environment, the context for the environment, and what we can actually have students do in said environment. I think it's just a different experience, you know, and that's what I have to kind of come to terms with is that I'm not building my class for a hybrid configuration or building my class for an online configuration. I'm taking the spirit of the class in designing for that experience. For instance, you know, if I'm an artist and I'm performing at Coachella, I design the set list and the, the interstitials, the transitions, everything is built for that particular configuration, right? The, the stage show for that configuration. However, if I'm playing at an intimate theater, right? And it's just me and acoustic guitar, right? My set list is catered for that environment. And that's the same thing here. It may be the same song, the same content, maybe the same spirit, but it's designed for the environment. And that's sort of how I think about it. This is this is not about, you know, this is the remix. This is how do we design it for the particular environment that we're in. We're here to facilitate learning, right? We're here to help people see the world differently. As, as academic, we've amassed knowledge from the research that we've done, that we've embedded ourselves in to help provide a lens for students to see the world. So when they go out in the world, at least in business in particular, 
they can apply said knowledge. Or if it's just broadly speaking, so that they go in the world, they're better citizens of the world because of, of these perspectives. You know, personally, I've always considered teaching as craft. It's not what I do. It's a craft that I'm trying to work to get better at. In fact, you know, when I first started teaching and I had like a course that I was, that I was assigned, I tried to find as many ways as possible to exercise myself, right? To, to try things out. So like, I love comedians because I like stand-up comedy. And I, and I often say that comedians make for the best marketers because they watch people and apply causality-based theory to what they see and say, oh, I think I know what the thing is. Then they go on stage and say, and everyone says, oh my gosh, that's so me. Well, of course, because they designed for that, right? They observed it and then put theory to it. But what, what comedians do is that they have an idea, they have you know a, a joke, a bit, as they call it, and then they go on different stages, smaller stages, stages that they normally aren't on to test the bit out, to see how it works. And I've always thought about my craft as an educator, like a comedian. So I do everything I can to exercise bits, right? So I teach at other schools through the summer, right? I, 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 try, to, I try to get in front of different audiences, I've said in air quotes, but I try to get in front of different people to test bits out, to see if does that articulation work? Does it work this way? And since we've shut down in March, I haven't stopped teaching. I've been teaching all through, all through May, all through June, and I just finished a course as of Saturday. So, you know, I'm designing for this to facilitate the best learning environment as possible. The technology extends on human behavior, right? In a very Marshall McLuhan way that technology extends on what we normally done. And the technology is made available to us, social networking platforms, Zoom, Google Hangouts, Skype, all these different technologies help us connect when we physically cannot connect. And you know, what I would normally do is my office hours would be my normal office hours. Then I said, I'm just gonna put it on Zoom and just, you know, I'll just work and I'll just have Zoom up. Someone wants to drop in, they'll drop in for a moment and it kind of bounce. And normally my office hours are, are, are pretty well populated. We're physically on campus and not just because they want to talk about the material, but this one is kind of chop things up, just kind of have a conversation, which I love. Like I really, really miss that. So Zoom sessions happening for my office hours that people kind of drop in, spend a little time, but only a few people. Then we open it up to the university broadly and more people showed up. Say, well, this is interesting. Then we open up to alumni even more broadly and decide to bring on a guest every week to do these open office hours with my, my colleague, Professor John Branch, to talk about these contemporary issues that are happening in business, not just people who are practicing business, but what it means to be a practitioner of, what it means to be a woman in business, what it means to be a person of color, a black person in business, what does it mean to be in business in today's hyper-connected world? And the result of that is that I feel like I'm connected with more students than I ever have, right, on a weekly basis with students that I don't even know, like I've never met before, but they've heard about the office hours, showed up, sent me a note, and said, hey, I would love to, to connect. It's a great, let's do it. Now, it doesn't do well for my, my calendar, of course, but, you know, I feel like, you know, it's Marshall McLuhan's words playing out. The, the technology is facilitating what would normally happen, but it's allowing, it's accelerating what could be. It's helping me do things that I normally would not have been able to do. So we can have office hours with someone in California synchronously inside of a conversation with people who are across the country. And we normally couldn't do that in my, my office in, in Ross. So I feel like 
the network world that we live in is doing what it does. It facilitates the network effect. It allows us to connect in ways, in hyper-connected ways that we normally couldn't have. So yes, we don't get to, get to you know, give high fives, look at each other in the eyes, see the whites of each other's people in the flesh, but we still get to connect. And I think that that is, that's, you know, it still feels very human that way. It's funny how before, you know, you know, if you're in offices, you had to be, your butt has to be in the seat. I need to see you there to know that you're working. I need to see you to feel like we are connected. But we've been able to, to adjust and use these ways to see each other and to feel connected nonetheless. And it has its consequences both negatively, but also have these positive benefits. And I try to be optimistic and focus on the positive. To me, this is where the work comes in. You know, I think that if we rely on physical proximity as the only social lubricant, then I think that we've missed the opportunity. You know, people come to college, particularly to a school like Ross or the University of Michigan, rather, so Ross-centric, people come to the University of Michigan for community, right? Not the content, right? You can get the content on Coursera. In fact, a lot of professors have their entire classes on Coursera that you can get for free. We're not here for content. We're here for connection. And we have to exercise ourselves as such. Just like if you come in as a freshman and decide to be you know, a social misfit, you can walk out of here with not rich connection, not rich relationships. And you may be the valedictorian, have the best job ever coming out of school because your grades are so great and you had amazing internships. But if you walked out of here without meaningful relationships, I think you missed the entire boat. You missed it all. And I can say that with great confidence, right? Like I met my wife in business school here at the Ross School of Business, right? So I know, I know the importance of, of connections. And I think that while the physical proximity doesn't aid us, like we normally will, we can't just bump into someone serendipitously, right? Uh, but, you know, student groups are still happening. Clubs are still happening. Fraternities and sororities are still happening. Office hours are still happening. Right? There's, there's opportunities. We just have to be creative and be purposeful. And if nothing else, I think that's a skill set that, you know, we don't normally teach in the university, right? Because, because of the, the confines of being on campus, these relationships just sort of happen serendipitously. But when you go work at a company, right, especially now, you don't have that, like, I just bumped into you. Oh, you work in the same, whatever. Oh, we should get coffee sometime. You have to, to apply yourself, purposefully apply yourself. And I think that that's a new skill set that perhaps we come out of this thing with. Again, look at this thing optimistically. I think Ross has been really good at bringing faculty together as they've been updating us on like every inch of progress has been made for opening the, the school in, in the fall. You know, I've met faculty members that I never, I ne I've never met. I never had a chance to bump in them in the hallway. I mean, because unlike students, they're like just densely walking through the Diag or the reunion or through, through the Winter Gardens at Ross, you know, the hallways in the business school for professors aren't that dense, right? Um, you know, people are kind of like in their offices, they're working away. Unless there's like some coordination for a course, we don't get a chance to really connect as much. Great uh, example here. So um, I'll be teaching the, the marketing core for MBA students this fall, and I'm teaching it with uh, Professor Eric Schwartz. And Eric and I, I've known him for at least the last three years. And, you know, 
I, I know some of the research he's done. He's a really interesting guy. And like, you know, we have good banter in the hallways. And I know the work that he's been up to and, and vice versa. And we always say, man, we should work together. We should work together. As soon as this happens, as soon as I get my 10-year situation, we'll work together. As soon as this campaign comes out, I'll tell him we're going to work together. We're going to work together. Can't wait to work together. And we've been saying that for literally two years. And because of the situation that we're in, uh, because we have to think about how we're going to creatively put together the marketing core or core classes for, for incoming MBA students, we're now working together, right? So listen, things aren't ideal. Things aren't, they certainly aren't status quo, but sometimes that's a good thing, right? That's the, the unintended consequences that we get both negatively and positively. And the idea is to learn from the negative and try to inform and maximize the positive. So just as it needs to be purposeful for students to go seek out each other to, to create connections, I think faculty members need to do the exact same thing, right? We need to be curious. Like, and the school does a pretty good job of letting other people know what research is going on from other professors. So we had to say, hey, that's really cool. We'll love to kind of chat it up with you because these are skills that we can benefit from as well, just as much as our students do. It's gonna take everybody. It's gonna take the school honor its, honoring its commitment to ensure ensuring that the operationalization of our plans to open in the fall are done at a meticulously accurate level. It's gonna take professors investing themselves, like lecturers and professors investing themselves in building and designing the best learning experience possible. Like this isn't about the content, this is about the experience. It's gonna take students you know, investing themselves in it too. No, not only in I'm opting to come back to school to do this in residence thing, even if we're doing it fully remotely, I'm opting for this. So let's make it work. Not only that, of course, it's going to require everyone to make sure we're all safe. You know, from a health perspective, like everyone, this is, this is community at its finest, right? This is us saying we're going to band together to make this work. And if one, if there's one weak link in the chain, it's all going to kind of come apart. So it's going to require us to, to, to jump in collaboratively to make this happen. I was remarkably impressed, not surprised, because I know the kind of students we have here at Michigan. So I wasn't surprised, but I was impressed how students stepped up to the plate when we, when we shut down in, in, in March. Like, I felt like I didn't lose engagement. As far as in the course, I feel like people were curious, still asking questions, still very much engaged. The work product was still up to the level that I expect of students at the University of Michigan. Um, and when I taught the May semester in the in 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 May in the spring, unbelievable engagement, just unbelievable. And I think that you know I know that our students are capable of it. I wasn't surprised just really impressed by it and it was I found it to be actually inspiring I mean it made me show up even more than I normally would because I know the expectation was that hey I'm not mailing this in like I'm here I'm here for it and I think that as long as we all keep that same spirit I think we can have a really really cool term in the, at least in the fall and if nothing else if nothing else I think that at least I speak for myself here I have learned so much from what it takes to design a rich educational environment that even after we go back to quote unquote normal, which will never be fully normal, but we'll get back to some normality. 
I will still use a lot of the skills that I've developed over the course of this time to help supplement the learning, right? I've been creating content, like asynchronous content that acts as kind of a cousin to the lectures or to the, to the readings. And that's stuff that I never even thought of doing before. Like I never even, it never even passed my mind because these things were binary. I was either physically doing classes or, you know, I'll send you a TED talk to, to, to watch. But now I've gotten, I've developed a muscle memory or developing a muscle memory to create content, asynchronous content that, that is complementary to the lectures, to the learning that we provide in the classroom, be it Zoom or physical or, or, or both. And I feel like I'm going to be a better professor because of that. I'm going to be better in the classroom because of that very thing. The synchronization for a remote slash hybrid experience uh, makes it a bit of a challenge both for instructors and really students bear the burden. But again, you know, I, when I taught in May, I had students who were in San Francisco and the class met at nine o'clock, right? So they were up at six o'clock for the class and they were showing up. You know, it's, you know, they want to be here. And I think that even more so because they want to be here, then we have to really put on a show. Like we really got to make it worth their while. And if we didn't, the asynchronous part is good for solo learning. It's good for um, for complementary additives to what we provide in the classroom. But the classroom isn't the physical walls. The classroom are the people. It's the discussion, the rich discussions that we have in the classroom that makes the classroom so powerful. It's the the banter. It's the discourse. It's the dissent that happens through these dialogues from which we learn, not just the students, but me as well. And I think that the only way to provide the richness that education is best facilitated is that it has to happen live, it has to happen asynchronously. If not, I think that we're looking at a completely different product. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.